Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Morning Sports Briefing brought to you by New Zealand Sports Radio. And yes, after rebooting everything, we are back live and in action on the 11th of April 2020 bringing you up to speed with all of the latest sports news. This today on the news, we have uh, the Australian Health Minister weighing in on the NRL debate. The Phoenix finally talk. Uh, Southland moved to a four-day w- working week, which I think is what is everyone's dream, isn't it, really, let's be honest. Um, and the UFC get told what to do from those on high. Kicking us off, I'm going to hand you over to Steve from the Deep South, who will take us through our football briefing. Good morning again, Paul, and good morning, everyone, tuning in to today, the football world. Yes, not too much news today, but still some big, big topics to talk about. The Belarusian Premier League, again, rolls into round number four. Yes, we've got football happening. Scottish football goes to a vote. But first, we have the Phoenix, who have actually come out with an update. So the Wellington Phoenix have finally let out a tiny little bit of insight as to how they're dealing with the current situation in the A-League after refusing to comment and remaining silent for about three weeks so far, they have finally come out and said a word, although it wasn't in the public domain like all the other clubs have done so far. The Phoenix have instead sent an email out from General Manager David Dome to the club's members. The email talked about how the Phoenix are being ready to resume the season as soon as they possibly can, should it ever restart, and with two of the squad being either in New Zealand or Australia, in theory, should make it very easy for the team to get back up and running. He also mentioned the club has faced a lot of challenges so far before, and they come back stronger every time and expects this will be no different for the club. But if we do see the A-League return to Australia, memories of that golf cart joyride of a few weeks ago comes back into memory very, very quickly. What was not mentioned in the email was that the Phoenix have also applied and received the government's wage subsidy so far, which has amounted to almost 325000 for the 47 employees at the club, including the 22 players. 
that is going to be a massive factor in survival for the Phoenix that the Australian clubs just cannot match. So the Phoenix looking good at the moment, but can they keep that all together in the future? We'll find out what happens with the A-League. Remember, at the end of this month, Moving over to Scotland and the Scottish football season has been pushed back even further until June the 10th to help the clubs try and ensure the safety of players and staff. With no football for three months at the time, there will be a vote for all 42 clubs on how the league should finish the season. Will they try to finish the league? Will they call it a day and plan for next season instead? We have already heard from clubs like Hearts, who have outright said a few days ago that they will be opposed to the season ending. All the clubs had till the end of the day Friday, which was yesterday there, to uh, cast their vote. Despite gathering this information now, no decision will be made until they have the UEFA meeting on the 23rd of April. But, amazingly enough, they've still actually released the results of this voting poll this morning. And 85% of the clubs have been in favour of ending the season right away. So, um, out of all the Premier teams, only one has voted against it. And... I think we can all know who exactly that is, the one team that is going to get relegated. It's going to be a long, long month in Scottish football. Okay, careful, that we ca- have... careful, Sorry? careful there, Stephen. Look, it's it's an anonymous vote. We, we, we can't be outing who's voted this way. <laughs> be careful. It's pretty <laughs> cut and dry. It's cut and dry. Anyway, moving on to the actual football going on. There was one game on Friday night in the Belarusian Premier League in round four action with Niman Gron- Grodno hosting a Belshina. It has ended in a, well, static 1-1 draw with a goal coming for each team on each of, either side of half-time. And uh, those two sides, I think, definitely uh, Grodno will be a bit disappointed about that, being in eighth place, taking on the bottom place, Belshina. They would have expected a victory in that one. Overnight tonight, though, there'll be a further three games coming your way. It kicks off with Paul's team. Schlutzk will be at home taking on Vodovsk. And then it's back to back to back all night because next up we've got my boys Torpedo looking to bounce back mm. from a loss when they take on the outright leaders Energetic. And then following that, Stephen's side, the resurgent Gorodea will be up looking to double the winning streak to two. That's right. They're having a great start to the season, but they're taking on Dynamo Minsk. It's a 14th versus 13th battle down there between those two sides. That is it for football from me. Enjoy your day, everyone, and I'll see you again tomorrow. So, um, Steve, did you notice that uh, Dynamo Brest, uh, Arshwin's team, have decided to sell uh, virtual tickets? And uh, what they will do is they will take a picture of you, print it out, stick it on a mannequin in the crowd. So, folks, watch out in that game. You never know. We might see Arshwin in the crowd in over in Belarus. Um, he may have got himself a virtual ticket. Who knows? <laughs> Got to support your team. Um, Going to hand you over now to John for the for our cricket update. Well, everybody, all I can say is I looked for news. I searched high. I searched low. There was even a story about how prior to the. Uh, discovery that Australia were doctoring the ball, that the umpires were suspicious, like nobody else was for 20 years of the Australians. It's a standard default setting. So all I can say is somewhere, somehow, some kid is complaining with all the other kids that in his family that it's his bat and he gets to bat, right? So this morning, all I can ask you is maybe you can let us know in the comment section 
what are the sacrosanct rules of your families, bro? Maybe we can adjust a few. Maybe, you know, maybe that covered drive, if you hit it over the fence, now becomes a COVID drive. But I just want to say, we want to know what are your sacrosanct backyard cricket news, uh, rules. Right, and then back to you, please, Paul. Thank you. I did notice one cricket story that, uh, that, that the Lords is managing to look after its greens because the, land, the uh, groundsman lives inside the ground and he says he's not had to sit on a, a roller so often for, for, for many years. Obviously, he has lackeys who do it normally for him. And his deputy groundsman is looking after the nursery ground, but they are, they are isolating from each other. Um, so each one has got one pitch to look after, um, which, unlike in New Zealand until yesterday, when they relaxed the rules, you couldn't look after your pitchers. So that's how Lords got around it, by having the guy live on site. The home of cricket, obviously. Um, let's go over to Steve from the far north, who will take us through our birthdays. Oh, good morning, everybody tuning into New Zealand Sports Radio. This morning, a colourful cricket umpire, a Tongan ball all black, and a New Zealand rugby referee. And that's where we're going to start this morning. Paul Williams is a professional rugby union referee in New Zealand who officiated at the domestic level since 2014. Williams joined the Super Rugby panel in 2016, quickly progressing to international status in the same year. In June 2017, Williams took charge of his first international test match, the clash between Italy and Scotland in Singapore. Five international tests thus far. Paul Williams, born this day, the 11th of April 1985 in Waverley. He is 35 years old today. Quite young for an international referee, I've got to say. Heading up to Peter Fiverr Kimoana Alatini is a Tongan-born New Zealand rugby union footballer. Alatini played 17 tests for the All Blacks between 1999 and 2001, scoring six tries. He played 81 NPC matches for four different provinces, counties Monaco, Southland, Otago and Wellington, and 72 Super 12 matches for four different franchise, franchises as well, Crusaders, Chiefs, Highlanders and Hurricanes. He also played professionally in Japan for Suntory, Sun Goliath and uh, Kamaishi Sea Waves. Peter Fiverr Kimoana, Alatini, born this day, the 11th of April 1976, and Nuku He is 44 years old today. And finally, Brett Fraser Billy Bowden is a cricket umpire from New Zealand, whose international career spanned over 21 years, making his debut in 1995. Bowden stood as an umpire, 84 tests, 200 ODIs, 24 T20s. Bowden is known for his colourful antics when signalling four sixes wides and no balls. And if you got this finger, <laughs> you were pretty much on your way. Brett Fraser, Billy Bowden, yeah, well. on this day, the 11th of April, 1963. He is 57 today, and I am pretty much on my way. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. There we go. That's our birthdays. Moving on to rugby news, um, then uh, in provincial rugby, Southland have moved to a four-day uh, working week and because of the financial impact to, uh, to them. Um, so far, New Zealand rugby hasn't been reducing payments to the provinces, um, but uh, Southland chairman Bernie McCoad um, said there could be a reduction in the New Zealand rugby funding. They've indicated 50% cut, 15 sorry, percent cut, 1-5 
um, although there has been pushback on this, I can imagine. That would obviously be an Im impact of the provinces ma massively, in addition to all the match day revenue that they're going to lose if the Mighty 10 Cup doesn't go ahead. So up until now, provinces have been looked after, but it looks like they're going to have to tighten their belts just like everybody else um, going forwards. Moving on to Australian rugby, and Castle has taken a further cut um, from, she previously had taken a 50% cut, now she's taking a 65% cut uh, to be the, on the same as what they're asking the players to take. This will mean that she will be earning only $285,250 down from her $815,000 annual salary for the foreseeable future. As they say in quotes, until the game is back in good shape physically. I'm glad they say not saying good shape financially because they haven't been in good shape financially for a number of years now. The the Rugby Australia were asking the 192 professional players to take that uh, take a similar cut up until the end of September. Uh, they were supposed to meet on Thursday uh, to talk about this, uh, but uh, due to one of the directors being struck down with illness, and that has been moved to today, Saturday. So we'll wait and see wait and see what news comes out of that. Castle did though confirm that uh, the actions taken to date will protect the one million dollar grants to uh, the community rugby the, um, uh, that Rugby Australia has scheduled to give all the states and territory unions for grassroots. Uh, all the, she says, all the feedback we've had from government is that ensuring community rugby can get back to where it was as quickly as possible is important. That's why maintaining those grants to make sure we could light up as soon as we need to is really important. These grants actually keep, um, for our smaller states and territories, their workers' uh, activity in the community. So uh, it looks like Australia taking a similar route to New Zealand rugby in looking at trying to get domestic rugby or getting club rugby up as soon as possible. In international rugby news, the RFU chief, chief executive Bill Sweeney says that England's tour to Japan could move from July to October um, to basically elongate the November international window. Uh, he, he's made it clear that obviously that, club, that the Southern Hemisphere or the non-European nations would like to be visited, obviously for financial reasons. Um, he also raised the idea of an extra Six Nations tournament um, if England could not fulfil its uh, autumn internationals. Um, I think the lessons out of South Africa about playing the same teams over and over again uh, is not a good move. But he was suggesting that perhaps they could play a home and away Six Nations uh, that could be held in the autumn and then next spring. Um, as well. So um, not having an extra tournament per se, but just elongating next year's one. Uh, so yes, clearly a lot of options are on the table in rugby, a lot of things up in the air. Um, but uh, Stephen, it looks like you've uh, seen from the far north, it looks like you've got some, a bit more certainty around the NRL. Well, I, I don't really know if it's it, it's certainty, but like I say, this week there's been plenty of people weighing into this debate. The latest so far is the uh, Australian Health Minister, uh, Minister, Brad Hazard. Now, apparently he's revealed that the New South Wales government has not given the NRL clearance to restart its 2020 season and hasn't had any official communication with the code for the last four weeks. In fact, the federal government and the Queensland government have also spoken out to pull the NRL back into line with revelations the code has not received any special exemptions from the COVID-19 restrictions. The extraordinary slapdown comes after the NRL's Innovation Committee, who met on Thursday, announced the third round of the season will proceed in seven weeks' time on May the 28th. So not 
entirely sure what's going on there. But just to sort of uh, uh, quote Hazard, he, when he was pretty much, pretty much asked about the NRL to return in May, he goes, no, I haven't heard anything and I can't even comment about it. Hazard said he was open to a meeting with NRL Chief Executive Todd Greenberg and Valandis to discuss the potential return of rugby league, but stressed it had not yet been determined that it was appropriate for the game to start up again. I think there's a balance to be struck here. And whether this is the right balance, he said, if the NRL want to go ahead, happy to have that chat and make sure with medical advice as to whether or not that it's appropriate. The only meeting I've, that I can tell you that I've had was around about a month ago with Todd Greenberg and Valandes to talk about the issue. But that was before they actually made a decision to shut the game down. So I haven't had any discussions with them at this stage. Well, it's it pretty. It seems pretty strange that you wouldn't uh, go to the health minister, Paul, and at least have a have a little bit of a, a chat to find out what's going on. And of course, it's all this stuff that's going on in the background is sort of leaving. If you're from a local level, if you look at uh, the Warriors at the moment, it puts them in a in a bit of a strange situation. And Warriors boss uh, Cameron George says the NRL must answer a list of questions before the club decides to leave their families up for up to six months. After a meeting with senior players on Friday, George fired off an email to league headquarters containing a host of concerns from the playing group. Among them include the new structure of the competition, where the players will be based, and whether the families will be able to join them. I don't think they can. I think we may have mentioned that yesterday morning. And, you know, pretty much finally, I said to them, before we go much further... Let's get everything Whoa. we need to know in order for us to be well-equipped to make an educated decision because we don't know what the future's looking like in the next six, six months. Only when the Warriors are cleared will all 16 clubs be able to resume training. And that is league news. I know there's a, a little bit to take in there, but uh, like I said, this is pretty much an ongoing story. It's like a series, isn't it, guys? Yeah, it is. And we'll have another, another update tomorrow morning because no doubt there'll be developments going on today as well. In general sports news, first off, over to boxing, where Floyd Mayweather has, has decided to turn his hand to training. The recent passing of his uncle and trainer, Roger, has inspired him um, to help those around him. Uh, during the lockdown, he has started to train his oldest son and nephew as well. So perhaps the next generation of Mayweathers uh, in the square ring uh, there. Moving over to UFC, and UFC 249 has been cancelled after... Um, the, the head of ESPN, or as, as, or as the uh, as, as Dane White says, said the as far up as you can go in Disney and in ESPN phoned me and basically told me it's not going to happen. Um, he clearly uh, was talking about how wonderful the partnership is, but you could tell he was extremely upset um, and annoyed at uh, someone basically telling him what to do. I think he's used to being the big dog in the room. Uh, he said he, they are still ready to go ahead on the 18th of April um, if. Uh, if, if ESPN would televise it um, on a uh, basically at a casino on an Indian reservation in California. Um, White also said that Fight Island um, was real. It is being built and it is ready and it will be ready to host international fights um, as, as long as ESPN is willing to broadcast them. Um, clearly, uh, the uh, Disney and ESPN uh, have pulled uh, the UFC into line here. Um, You've got to say, looking at uh, some of the uh, uh, discussions out of sports administrators around the world, if you look at it from a New Zealand lens, you do wonder what world they're living in. Because let's be honest, we were all in lockdown. We've been told uh, that mass gatherings are not likely to happen for, for, for quite a while. We've been told that international travel is going to be um, 
restricted or locked down for probably getting on towards 12 months. Uh, and to have all of these people suggesting that there's going to be international tournaments here, there and everywhere, um, like Formula One the other day saying they would fly in several jumbo jets worth of kit and people into a country, have a race and fly out again, uh, does mean that you've got, you've got to wonder what world some of these administrators are living in. Um, I must say, but uh, hey, that's we'll, that, that's the news, and we'll bring you up to date with um, what other kind of ma- amazing and wonderful, scary ideas that sports administrators have today. Uh, we'll let you know what's going on tomorrow morning with a sports breakfast. Thank you very much for, to Stephen from the deep south, Stephen from the far north, and John for your updates. Don't forget to join us tomorrow at eight pm for the morning sports briefing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 